Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Hello and welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com and features interviews and stories about and related to music. Today on the program, we feature the singer-songwriter duo Matt Dazot and Heather St. Marie, also known as Dazot St. Marie who have just released their debut EP, Falling Again. We talked to the pair about growing up in Louisiana, forming their band Hydro Vibe, the move to Los Angeles, and about the trials and tribulations of working musicians in this digital age. We also listened to and discussed the tracks on the new EP. Sit back and enjoy another episode of Music Life Radio, this one entitled, Falling Again, Desat St. Marie. Matt Dazat and Heather St. Marie, welcome to Music Life Radio. I'm glad to have you on the program today. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. All right, I like to get right into your musical backgrounds, and I like to start at the very beginning. So you guys both grew up in Louisiana. What kind of music were you influenced by as kids, and what were you listening to in your early childhood? You know, I mean, I listen to, a, obviously, most kids, you know, you start out with whatever your parents are listening to. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a mom who was really kind of into cool music. A lot of the Beatles and Motown and, uh, you know, Cream, Deep Purple. So it just, you know, it's kind of cool because I got to hear a lot of different stuff. And she and I would sing a lot together. I think that's kind of where I got my love of singing. Growing up in South Louisiana, there's a lot of classic rock. I like to joke that I didn't really know until high school that like Rush and Zeppelin weren't current music because <laughs> that's pretty much <laughs> played on the radio, you know. But uh, I think it's great because it gave me a foundation in the old stuff, you know, to kind of build up upon, you know, and like Freddie Mercury, that kind of thing. You know, it's just great singers back then. So it was kind of cool. Awesome. I have brothers that are 10 and 11 years older, so I grew up listening to their more like, uh, I guess, classic rock, you know, Zeppelin, Sabbath. Ozzy, um, Boston, you know, stuff like that. So good classic rock background. All the classics. All right. When did you first start getting interested in playing music? I mean, Heather, you talked about you were singing with your family, but when did you start performing, you know, even as kids or whatever? Let's get into that a little bit. You know, I, I was kind of late to the game on that one. Um, and it wasn't until high school, my Junior year in high school, the, the school kind of ran out of money, budget cuts, you know, and it was kind of like we're, we're going to run out of paper and supplies, so we have to put on this uh, talent show, and everybody's got to participate, and it's going to raise money for the school, and I didn't really want to do any of the acting or the skits, and so, um, you know, I went to the jazz band, and I said, hey, you know, learn this song, it was Black Crow, She Talks to Angels. And never bothered to uh, rehearse with them or anything. I was so naive. I was just like, oh, they'll figure it out. You know, I'll know it. And then got out there, and I didn't, I didn't really prepare myself mentally. I, I got out into the auditorium, and it was sold out, and there's like 2,500 people there. And I was just like, oh, my God, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> but I closed my eyes, and I sang. And, you know, at the end of it, it's kind of like that uh, – 
Bugs Bunny skit where it's like, da da da, and then there's crickets. I ended the song and there was silence, and I thought, oh no, I just totally blew it. And I think people were stunned. Nobody even knew I could sing, me included. You know, I'd always done it just for fun. And then it was a standing ovation, and I thought, right then I was hooked. I said, God, I love this. So whenever I got up to college, I was bored looking for something to do, and I heard this guy, Matt Dozot, was looking to put a band together, and I thought, that sounds kind of like fun, and that's it. I mean, that's just my whole musical career, not uh, much experience beyond that. Yeah, I guess I I just always knew that I wanted to be uh, a guitar player. It's my earliest, earliest memories, and... I just found um, an acoustic guitar in the attic one day, and it was it was uh, in really bad shape in Louisiana, North Louisiana. The heat, the humidity, the guitar was in bad shape. But um, just immediately started teaching myself how to play, and I, w- I was hooked already. That was it for me. Did you have anybody to learn from? How did you pick up the guitar? I mean, just on your own, or? I, uh, well, like I said, I mean, that, that for some reason, that's like some of my earliest memories is that I wanted to play guitar. So, you know, as a young child obsessed over the guitar and, um, I just kind of, I, I weirdly enough kind of envisioned how one might play a guitar. And, but for some reason I just, I was like really shy and I never asked my parents for a guitar. And so whenever I found the one in the attic, um, kind of freaked my brothers out because I picked it up and literally was immediately that day fumbling my way through Led Zeppelin riffs, just kind of drawn to the instrument, just kind of innately somehow know how to play that. So you're basically coming into the game with a lot of natural talent. I mean, I can hear from your guitar playing that you're just amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, just, I don't know, it's just one of those things that anything with strings makes sense to me. <laughs> so I can just kind of start playing it. But I... We had a piano in the house. That was that's actually my first instrument is piano. I taught myself piano when I was like three, um, and so you know I was decent at piano. I, I never really got into it because again, it, that wasn't like I didn't feel that that was my instrument. I, I just wanted to play guitar. <laughs> yeah, and so Heather, that was an amazing story too. I mean, right out of the gate, you get a standing ovation like that. I mean, how could you turn around? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it could have been very different, right? so matt tell us a little bit about when you got into your first band well i started a band in high school and that was fun we we did like we would do like the uh underground like house parties or we would you know if there was like uh um i guess a abandoned building somehow that had power we'd like throw these parties and and we'd be the band that played there and so, uh, you know, I had a little bit of experience with that, but not not really that much. There wasn't, there weren't like a lot of guys that were into playing music where I came from at, at the time, my age, that is. Um, and so I got a little taste of that like later in high school. And so leaving high school, you know, I wanted to start a, a band in college. And that's where I met Heather through mutual friends she came in and auditioned and so that's that's where we got our start so you were auditioning for a band or was you looking just to do a duo partnership thing the idea was a band i you know okay from high school yeah i definitely wanted to start i mean I, that was i guess that's kind of all i really knew anyway it was you know you you're in a band yeah i mean i was you know as a rocker kid a different metallica shirt for every day of the week uh <laughs> 
And so, uh, yeah, so I, I was dead set on, on, you know, band. And so, uh, Heather came into the picture and, and before we had a band, you know, we, she and I started working and, and it was based around just the acoustic guitar. Um, that's just the way I've always written. Uh, and so, you know, we, we were essentially working as a duo before we found our band. You know, we play little coffee shops and stuff around town. That was pretty short-lived because we were able to put together a band pretty quickly and move ahead, you know, fairly quickly after that. So, so Heather, what was your first impression of Matt when you met him? Tell us the story of your first meeting. Well, I can tell you about my audition. It's kind of a funny and uh, ironic story, I guess, because, you know, like he said, he was putting a rock band together. And, um, you know, Matt's guitar sound, if you ever do listen to our rock band, turned out to be called Hydra Vibe. And it's got really, really heavy, melodic, but meaty guitar sound. You know, it's very, you know, aggressive. And so I show up and uh, for my audition, and the first thing he told me was like, look, I mean, I think he was trying to break it to me gently. This is a, a heavy rock band. I mean, I, I just don't know if, you know, you're going to fit the bill. Because, you know, up until then, there really weren't many girls in rock bands. You know, and most girls have a, you know, softer voice and stuff. And they sing pretty. And that's cool. But I'm a Cajun. I'm very loud. <laughs> and so, <laughs> since, you know, I've already learned the song. I mean, I got a ride down here. He was holding auditions at a radio station. And so I was like, you know, just at least let me try out. And it's like, sure, you know, just be prepared. And then I started to sing, and I think his whole, like, just everything changed. It was like, whoa, wait a minute. You might actually be able to work with the guitar I'm, I'm going to be playing here, you know. And so it clicked. Um, and, you know, we just, we really did click. I was very impressed with Matt and his professionalism and his kind of just, you know, hit the ground running attitude, which is great, because I didn't want to just mess around. We were both very serious and uh, I like that. It pushed me a lot because I really wasn't prepared to be in a band. I was shocked. I was like, all right, we got to go out and buy a microphone. I was like, oh, what? But, you know, it was great. Once I jumped in, it was, uh, it's been great working with him. So now, Matt, had you interviewed or auditioned other people besides Heather? And then what was your reaction to Heather singing when you first heard it? Uh, you know, I, I kind of don't even recall. Maybe, maybe one, uh, one or two people maybe auditioned. Uh, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't a difficult decision. I can tell you that. It was, <laughs> you know, we, uh, you know, once I heard her sing, it was unlike anything that I had heard before. And um, I knew that would be the right fit and the, the right uh, kind of vocal that would push, that would drive this whole thing farther. You know, somebody that could be in the forefront of, of things. So, yeah, and it was it was definitely the right fit. It was it was a pretty easy, pretty easy deal. I was definitely you know fortunate that we were able to connect. That's kind of a one in a million sort of uh, voices. Um, not many people would obviously be able to find that. Now, Hydrovibe has had a a good bit of success. I mean, you've had recordings in a movie. Uh, with a great video with the actress from the movie in it. Uh, what are what are the other highlights from Hydro Vibe? Lots oh, of touring. A lot of touring. You know, we got to do a whole lot. Yeah, a lot of big bands. You know, getting to play with them, meeting people. I mean, it's we it's been great. Pretty sp spanned a pretty good you know number of years now. We're we've been going for a long time. So yeah, we've we've opened for a lot of bigger bands and. 
I mean, I, yeah, highlights, I don't know. That's, it's been, there have been many. Um, and, and all that has been great in laying groundwork for what Doza St. Marie is doing now. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely fortunate to have done a lot of that. Uh, previously paid those dues and, you know, slept on those floors all over the U.S., you know. So it's worked out well. Well, certainly. Here's Hydro Vibe with 15 minutes. Vibe still active? Yes. Yeah, we're. Okay. Uh, well, it hasn't been as active in probably the past two years. Prior to that, it was a yeah, crazy amount of touring. But year before last, I got really busy, um, kind of got inundated with work writing and producing for other artists, and that kind of had me had me sort of grounded in LA. And it was during that time that Heather and I. Uh, well, High well, during that time, we've been um, chipping away at recordings, writing, recording, and stuff. And um, and then Heather and I were pulling late night sessions with uh, what was going to be Dozat St. Marie at the time. We, we had no name at the time, but um, we would pull midnight sessions. So what, I would rap with whatever artist at you know eleven thirty midnight, and then Heather would come in, and we worked the late night shift on that stuff, and then. But I, but I was in like literally every day, so I'm back in with whatever artist you know at noon again the next day. So um, it, it was really busy that year, and then um, we debuted Dozat Saint Marie, kind of a soft debut, if you will. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, we just got the phone just started ringing off the hook for uh, people wanting us to play different festivals. We ended up booking nine festivals and seven tours last year so um that has really capitalized our time and so the uh you know there hasn't been as much activity on the hydrovive end 
but in the background we've been working on some new music and there's there's definitely some things coming up that we'll be using to uh, revolve some high divide releases around so there there will be things coming up here in the next few months people will, will begin to learn what we've been up to oh very cool so this is just a another vehicle for you to express yourself in a different fashion yeah exactly i think you know and the initial thought was that um heather and i write a lot for other artists and i guess in doing that we end up with songs that maybe weren't right for said artists or you know definitely not right for high divide and so we had like started growing a catalog of songs and we're like well we you know it'd be great to have a vehicle for those songs to find a home so they can have a, a release and that's kind of where the, the, the spark for Doza St. Marie started. And, you know, maybe one of those songs is on the EP because eventually we started writing more geared for Doza St. Marie. Once we learned what Doza St. Marie sounded like, then we started writing for that project. But yeah, it was, it was born of the need to uh, have a vehicle for songs. Certainly. So, uh, I think we're jumping ahead j a bit, but let's get back to Hydro Vibes' early days. What triggered your move to LA? A couple of things. I mean, it. Uh, first of all, you know, it's a college band, and people graduate and move on. And you know, our drummer had a great opportunity, and you know, took it, and we wished him well. And then you know, it was just kind of like, well, now what do we do? And we thought about kind of putting it back together here. But it just never really hit, you know. I mean, we're in a small town in Louisiana, and yeah, by know, here she means sorry. Louisiana. When we were in Louisiana, yeah. I'm saying because we are in Louisiana right we now. We happen to be on tour, <laughs> and we happen to be near the very town where we got started. Uh, yeah, my mind's like kind of thinking, yeah, yeah. here. So but, yeah, uh, kind of how appropriate. Yeah, exactly. So you know that was happening, and then to be honest with you, you know, when 9/11 happened, I mean, it was horrible. But it also kind of made you start thinking and, and, you know, reassessing your life. And, you know, we thought, man, you just really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, are we ready to, because we kind of were winding down, just like, I guess this that was it. You know, we had a great run. Cool. And then that happened. We're like, you know what? I'm not ready to give this up. I'm not ready to end this. And so we just said, you know what? Screw it. Let's save up money for a year. So we're not, you know being foolish about it and let's just make our plans and go out to, you know, LA and, and really make a go of it so that at least if we came home, we knew that we did everything possible to try to make that happen. And obviously we just, we're still in California. It's a, our home now. So it's been great. You mentioned the, uh, on your bio, the sometimes fickle LA scene, which seems like Maybe you had a bad experience somewhere along the way. Can you tell us a story of that event? When we first moved out to Los Angeles, uh, it, so this is kind of what we're, yeah, I guess fickle, yeah, fickle might, it might be accurate. So when we first moved out to LA, the first thing that we did uh, before finding places to live was uh, to find a, a studio to work out of, um, a, a lockout rehearsal studio. And so we found that, because that's, you know, oddly enough, it's kind of hard to come by in L.A. They're in such high demand. There's so many bands. And you know, just wanted a really nice place to work every day. So we, we found this place, and it was in a facility of, I don't know how many studios are in there, maybe 40. Of, you know, so there's, there's a lot of other bands. You know, some bands were 
on the verge. Um, you know, some some were already signed, some were on the verge, and you know, different levels, right? And LA has a uh, you know quote unquote rock station. It, it's not really um, <laughs> the the radio station there. Anyway, uh, so it but it kind of dictates the trends because you know it's the LA scene. So we were there when the Killers came out, right? So the Killers came out with that song. I don't remember which the first one was, Mr. Brightside or whatever it was, right? Came out on K Rock. That's obviously that's going to be the next big thing in the country because that's you know they're on the pulse of things. So all of a sudden, and you could hear the other bands in the hallway. You could hear it kind of echo in the halls. All of a sudden, you hear all the other bands trying to sound like the Killers. Oh, that's funny. Next came the Used came out with their their single, and all of a sudden, all these Killers sound like bands. All of a sudden, sounded like the Used, and we'd hear them like working, like because you could hear it because. You know, we would drive to, you know, to work at our studio every day. You'd hear whatever song. And, I mean, sure enough, like that day or within a couple of days, you'd hear bands experimenting with that new sound. And so I think that's kind of where that comment is. We're not like jaded L.A. people. We've been very, very successful in that scene. Uh, we've just been very lucky. We we have a lot of friends that we've accumulated. Because when we lived in... in you know, small town Louisiana. We were just kids. Our overhead was low, and we had decent jobs. We were making decent money, so we would just blow it on driving out to L.A. to play shows, just because we thought that was awesome. And, but in doing so, we made a lot of cool friendships, and so we have a pretty good network of friends that came in with us on the, the ground level and have grown with us, and we've grown those relationships. And we've done well in, in L.A. It, it's a tough scene. I mean that. It really is a very tough scene, but it's kind of cool. When we play a show there, it's an event, and it's kind of a gathering of friends, and we, we do really well. So it's not the uh, – that commentary is definitely not from a jaded L.A. perspective. It's more uh, just kind of funny how those things worked. We, we noticed early on. Well, sure. There's a lot of people uh, just trying to get their big break. You know, the bands that really always set themselves apart are the bands that are doing the thing that they believe in the most. And uh, and a lot of luck, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, these people are trying to trying to catch a wave, but by the time you catch that wave, it's already dead. So you got to just do what you do uh, and be true to you, and have your own own unique sound. And you hope that eventually you are the wave. And we found, like I think, fans respond best to sincerity. If you're truly passionate and sincere about the music you're putting out there, it comes across in the live show. It comes across in the recordings. And I think that that is what helps set you apart because you're doing something you actually believe in. Oh, certainly. And uh, obviously some people were impressed by what you've been doing. So, I mean, how did you get the Saw 3 gig? Well, um, it's kind of, let's see. Everything's, long, everything's long a long story. <laughs> yeah. You'll find with us everything's a bit of a long story because <laughs> I guess we have a, a long history. But, yeah, good. I mean, it, that's Osborne's ties. Yeah. So when we first got out there, you know, Matt, went ahead and auditioned because I have a graphic design company so I had a way to make money out in LA um, you know Matt is a musician so he's like well I've got to you know do the hired gun thing did his first audition and got it and started playing lead guitar for Kelly Osborne so you know that, that's been amazing and it was great for our band as well and just the whole cool experience and he kept in touch with all of them and Ozzy's group too so Robert Trujillo at the time was playing bass for Ozzy and, you know, they're all kind of like family. And so he would invite us to his house for barbecues and stuff. And one day we're over there and he said, oh, 
you guys got to meet this girl. You know, she and I had a band together back in the day, and she's from the South. You guys are from the South. Y'all are going to hit it off great. And so he introduces us, and it was the actress Shawnee Smith. And she tells us, oh, I just got done filming this movie, and it, was, it ended up being Saw 1, the first Saw movie. And, you know, so, so we're talking music, and she said, you know, I really want to put together, like, a country rock album, you know, and I'm looking for a mandolin player. And strangely enough, not three days before, Matt got his hands on a mandolin. So he says, oh, I've got a mandolin. <laughs> and, you know, like we talked about before, string instruments are his thing. He's, you know, why don't I come in and play on it? We can collaborate. So she starts telling us where she lives. Now, L.A. is a huge city, and we realize that we live one mile from each other. I mean, it was just kind of all the coincidences that the stars were aligning. And so, you know, we became good friends with Shawnee and, you know, hung out with her a lot. And Matt and she started writing together for that rock project and everything. And so she would come out to our shows when Hydra would play, and she fell in love with it, became a huge fan. She invited the director out and some of the cast members and stuff, and they all became fans. So when they were filming Saw 2, they were playing our song, Hydra Vibe song, Savior, on the speakers while they're filming certain parts of the movie. And I had Tobin Bell, who's Jigsaw, emailing me saying, oh my God, I love your voice. This is great. We love this song. And uh, it was supposed to be on the end credits. And everybody was all excited. But, you know, it is a business. And at the last minute, a uh, record label came in and bought the placement for the sound the end credits so we got bumped but the director was just like look I mean I'm gonna make this up to you guys so when they came around to saw three he got us in there and said you know here's a little snippet of the movie synopsis I want you to write a song specifically for that part in the movie and so it was really a cool experience for us you know we had to keep it under lock and key but that you know we got to write our song killer inside for Shawnee's character and then we thought it'd be cool if we got her to come in. And so that's some of her vocals on the chorus. And then, as you mentioned, you know, she got to be in the movie, the music video, because, uh, you know, Lionsgate loved it and wanted that to be the music video and on the director's cut. So it was a great experience for us. A long time in the making, but it was awesome. Now, that's a great story. That's what this is all about. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So here's a personal question I like to ask everybody on the show and just take turns answering it. But what does music mean to you? I think for me, music is a release. Um, you know, it's a, it's a cathartic way to get out emotions, whether it's something that's happening to you personally or, you know, a lot of times our lyrics are about things that happen to people we know. Um, so it's kind of a nice way to rearrange your thoughts and your emotions and put it out in this song. But also, I mean, it, it's, it is a physical and emotional release when you're performing. I used to joke when we would come home off tour with Hydra Vibe, and all of a sudden, I'd realize I was very impatient. Like, I was like, you know, in traffic, like, oh, my God, really? Come on. Or in line, oh, this line's so long at the grocery store. i got to get out of here. And then I realize it's because I've got all this, not so much aggression, but, you know, energy pent up in me that I'm not getting it out on stage. So I'd have to go and rehearse just to get it out, you know. So for me, I think it's just a really good release of energy and thoughts and emotions. And for me, I... I Again, it's my earliest memory is that I wanted to be, you know, a, a guitarist in a band. So it's for me, it's it's a, a necessity, obviously, and uh, it is a, a, a creative release that I need as well. If I'm not writing songs, I don't sleep very well. Um, so it's, it's definitely a necessity. Here is "Watch Me Go" by Desat Saint Marie. Make a sound. Turn this 
release and this ties into my next question what exactly are you channeling when you're singing you have just this amazing smoky powerful soulful voice and uh, I mean you know tell us uh, you know what your regiment is as far as uh, preparing for singing a song and where you grab your inspiration and what moves you when you sing you know I think it goes back a lot to the sincerity comment I made earlier um, feeling every lyric and reliving that or living it for the first time, like, you know, if it's someone else's experience, but I'm pretending to live through that. Uh, when I sing, I mean, it just comes from every bit of me. I, I you know, I laugh because it's like I don't really sing from my throat and I don't even sing from my diaphragm. I think I sing from my feet. <laughs> it just kind of comes up, me, yeah. you know, and I just, I love it. It's an addiction for me. And it, like, I just love to sing. And, you know, people ask, like, how can you do it? You're not afraid of losing your voice. But honestly, like, when we drive from L.A., you know, we might drive like a 12-hour drive to get to, a, you know, if we're coming out to Louisiana or the East Coast, you know, we might make a 12-hour drive. And what am I doing in the car? 12 hours of singing, pretty much. I mean, I just love to do it. I, you know, early on, I get worried because with Hydrovibe, I did a lot of, like, the gravelly and screaming kind of stuff. But really, I don't baby my voice at all. As long as I get eight hours of sleep, um, I try to avoid, you know, caffeine or sugar and just drink a lot of water. But I mean, really, that's about it. I just love to sing. And it, I've been fortunate enough that my voice sticks with me. It holds out. <laughs> well, it's a great voice. And I hope to hear a lot more of Thank it. Thank you. So, let's get into how you guys decided to actually form up and do the the duo. Now, you did talk about that a little bit. But um, with all the stuff going on, how did you decide that it would be a good idea to form a whole nother project? With uh, Matt doing uh, hired gun work still, <laughs> and and you with your graphic design, and then obviously you're still doing Hydro Vibe, and who knows what else you guys are doing. Well, we we like to have a lot of things going. That's that's for sure. Workaholics, but I think with the Dos at Saint Marie, uh, ultimately it's something we've talked about for years and years. Um, you know, we were going to do it. And we we write stuff for it and. You know, we make plans, we're going to release it this time, and then that doesn't happen because, you know, things come up and we're just so busy um, that ultimately we had to kind of get forced into it. I, um, I was, uh, I produced, I wrote and produced uh, an album for an artist, and she was going to have her big uh, CD release party 
and show at the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood and asked us to to open the show. And uh, obviously, it was it was a great opportunity, so we just said yes. Um, but then we're like, holy crap! Now we got to actually do this, you know. <laughs> And, you know, to make it funnier, it, it, when we talked about doing this, we were going to do a release. We were going to um, kind of ease into Hollywood. Uh, we were going to start trying to play, like, shows in a radius around L.A. and work our way inward and not go. We, we would work our way up to the Hotel Cafe. So the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood is, like, the premier uh, venue for singer-songwriters. So Hotel Cafe was the number one venue that we did not want to start off with. And so here we are now. We're, you know, our very first show is Dozat St. Marie is going to be in the Hotel Cafe with a you know, huge crowd opening for this artist. So that's what really, you know, that's what really set this all into action. Uh, that forced us to then get our act together, get all the songs together, get the package together. And then once we did that, we're like, well, now that we did all this work, why don't we just book a little tour? So we played Hotel Cafe, and we flew out the next day, and we did a tour, I believe, in the south. No, east coast. Next tour was next yeah, maybe was east coast, something like that. DC so we did it. We yeah. did that tour, and then that's when the phones just started ringing. Like people were like, you know, we think this is great. We you know heard it on YouTube or whatever. We we want you to play this festival, this festival, and so. We just started booking it. It's it's not uh, not near how we planned it, but sometimes things work out that way. When you talk about festivals, name a few of the festivals that you've been on. Uh, well, we did the uh, Natchitoches Jazz Festival in Natchitoches, Louisiana. That's that's a pretty prestigious one. That was good. Uh, El Dorado, Arkansas. They have a big festival once a year called just called Music Fest. And that's great. They have you know bigger headliners. Uh, Did Acoustafest in Acoustafest and uh, that's it's it's right in uh, Washington D.C. A big big music store there called Melody Music does a really cool thing. They call Acoustafest and they bring in artists from each of the major guitar manufacturers. So they would have they brought in artists uh, from um, Gibson Guitar. They brought in an artist that is, you know, um, sponsored by Martin, and we were the Taylor Guitars artist. Um, and so they bring in these, they're kind of some of their up and coming or, or more premier artists to this festival, and and they kind of showcase. And that that was awesome. That was a really cool one. But yeah, there were some others. There was even like this. Oddly enough, uh, be, well, you know, because. Our long history with Hydrovibe. Hydrovibe was, it, we're, you know, we're not metal, but we're we're heavy rock, and so we get put on a lot of metal bills, and that's always been fine for us because we can, you know, we can hold our own. That's never scared us at all. But Dozat Saint Marie got booked on a metal festival in Ohio, Ohio somewhere, and so the headliner was uh, Mushroom Head. And so it was weird because it was two stages. You had the big main stage and then they had the side stage. We were all, uh, on the side stage kind of, I don't know if we were headlining or, you know, we're one of those headliners on the side stage. And we were there the whole day and it was like literally just like screamer metal, just like it was all metal. And we were like, holy crap, like how do we, you know, how do we get ourselves into this mess? But we, we 
set up. It was our time set up and started doing our thing. And then all of a sudden people just started like flocking over to us. It was bizarre. And like these, you know, the kids with the whole, you know, in that, that part of the world, they really get into their metal and they, they dress the part and they got the face paint and it's awesome. And so here are these people coming in, listening to this like acoustic duo do this, the, you know, we were, we were the, one of the only like melodic um, groups. And even some of the guys then from Mushroom Head came over because, you know, they saw everybody getting into it. So those guys came over and they talked to us after and it's like, man, you guys were incredible. And, you know, half the time we don't really like a lot of the bands that are on the bills. We loved you guys. So that was kind of eye-opening for us because um, that has been a little tiny source of concern this whole time because we knew we had some metal fans from High Divide. And, you know, we had no idea how they were going to take this new music, you know. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I was a little metalhead too. And, you know, I, anything that was not metal we thought was just lame, you know. But <laughs> luckily, uh, I think people's tastes have evolved since then. And it's not lame to like something that is melodic and real. And so we've been quite pleasantly surprised that, you know, these these people are jumping on board wholeheartedly. It's been really refreshing to see. You know, I've always thought that you can always take a song and strip it down to its bare essence. You know, that's kind of what the whole MTV acoustic shows were doing. And, and uh, people can really get into that stuff, too. I mean, your music is still pretty heavy heavy subject matter and fairly intense and and very interesting you know you know either way that you're doing it and uh it just seems like this is just an extension of hydro vibe but in a more intimate setting yeah try to keep the intensity you know as much as possible in in everything we do i mean we always say we're like really non-dramatic totally chill people but when it comes to the music overly dramatic when it comes to the songwriting or the performance we're dramatic uh, but you know in real life we're super chill <laughs> nice let's talk about your ep falling again a bit i listened to the songs on there and my personal favorite is the song sinking down can you talk about the creation of that song what inspired it you know it's a, one of those funny songs um matt that was actually written back in the hydrovide days Matt had just gotten a new piece of gear and was just kind of, hey, you want to go down to the studio? I've got to, you know, play with this amp. Sure, why not? You know, and I'm, I, was, I think I was drawing in a sketchbook and he's just playing a riff. And then all of a sudden it just kind of started coming to me. I said, hey, keep playing, Matt. And then before I knew it, you know, I had, I don't remember even now at this point, it was either the verse or the chorus within a matter of minutes. I mean, it just kind of was one of those gifts that lands in your lap. And, uh, you know, we kind of worked it out and then said, you know, this isn't quite a Hydrovibe song. So, you know, we put it away for a while and then came back to it later with this because it kind of fits with this. But um, for me, you know, it was kind of like I was in that a little bit of homesick mood for Louisiana, thinking about all the swamps and the trees with the Spanish moss and things you definitely don't see in California. And so the, you know, not necessarily lyrically, but uh, the mood of the song was very much influenced by South Louisiana and, you know, kind of the water theme and just kind of crying out for help and, you know, hoping someone out there hears you. Yeah, it's very cool. I enjoyed that. Have I been fighting the fear, fearing the fight, fighting the fear, fearing the fight for so long, so long? 
been swallowing truth and choking on lies Swallowing truth and choking on lies For so long, so long These waters are poison With dreams and disillusion Drifting farther out again title track falling again what was the inspiration for that song another great song which you do uh, kind of an acoustic version and a, and a rock version of it on your ep well falling again was the first that was the first track that we produced as doza samri sinking down on, on the ep sinking down might be the oldest one that but uh, this one so sinking down was probably the first one that we wrote uh but Falling Again would be the first one we produced as Dozat St. Marie. So that was the one where we kind of were going down the road of trying to figure out what in the world Dozat St. Marie sounds like. Um, because we knew, you know, we already, have a, we already have a band. We don't need another band. We wanted this to be a duo. And so it, it was a little bit of a, an interesting task for me as the producer of this thing, how to treat it production-wise, and, and, you know, not to overdo things. And, and yeah, the, so Falling Again is on the, on the EP twice because I wrote it on piano and performed it on piano, but I don't, um, I, like, as I said, like, you know, I, I could play piano some. I can play piano enough. I don't play it enough to be comfortable to uh, want to play it live, so I knew I'd really never really want to play that live. So I knew it would be acoustic guitar. So once we finished Falling Again, the, the regular one, uh, to round it out, we decided we wanted to do a different take on it and, and do the guitar, the acoustic guitar version, and treat that completely independent of Falling Again, regular track. We gave it its own treatment, and um, that's, that's obviously a really cool version as well. I, I honestly can't say which one I like better. We had the conversation and we couldn't decide. That's why we decided to just put them both on there. That works. Yeah, both arrangements are really nice. Thank you. I'm so worn out. These scenes keep repeating in my mind. Where are you tonight? And do you we could just rewind to better times when our characters were new and our stories intertwined and we we lived our lives like each scene might well be the Should do, but every time I get lost, I 
talk about some of the other uh, highlights on that EP. I know there's only a few other songs, but uh, anything you want to share with everybody? Time Slips Away is probably the most near and dear to my heart because it kind of is about our life on the road and our life as musicians, um, even down to like, you know, when I get lost in a melody. I mean, that line is so me because sometimes I would, in the beginning, I'd just get so into the song and I'm singing, I'd lose my place and then I'd have to be like, focus. <laughs> when we'd rehearse, you know, and that's kind of, that's me, you know, I get so into it and I just completely lose myself in it. You know, so that one's really cool. And I think a lot of people relate to that. one. we get a lot of feedback that, you know, that's my favorite, you know, because people, you know, you do think reminisce about times past and where did all that go? And, you know, where am I headed next? It, it's, I like that one a lot. Yeah. That seems to be a fan favorite. We, yeah, I guess we, I know we wrote that one and watch me go near the same time. Well, yeah, I guess we that we we wrote both of those actually in Virginia. I was on tour. I, I also played with Skylar Fisk, it's Sissy Spacek's daughter. They have like an awesome farm, uh, and we were on tour. They we have an awesome farm in Virginia, and we we were at the farm when we wrote that because we played. We opened for Skylar in Charlottesville mm-hmm. long before it was Dozat Saint Marie. We just happened to be there and she's like hey you want to open the show and we had some songs we did we actually did some hydro vibe songs acoustically and then some of these songs so it's kind of interesting i think that was probably when it yeah kind of planted that seed in mm. our minds like hey wait this is cool we can do this so while we were there you know we started writing those two songs cool i um was looking on some of the youtube stuff and i saw one of you did a cover of a song i cannot remember what it was now but it was a a lot more bluesy, kind of swampy, swamp grass stuff. Have you considered incorporating more of that into your music at all? More of the Louisiana bio roots? Yeah, for sure. We find, you know, when we started to do some of the Hydrovide songs acoustic, you kind of that kind of comes out. We didn't plan it like that, but I think our southern roots kind of show up in our songs. And then we were driving, and we figured, well, you know, we're doing this for real, like the first major tour. Let's do a little homework, and we have you know satellite radio in the car, and twelve hours ahead of us, so we put it on the bluegrass channel, and uh, well, we were, I think we were actually talking. The, the volume was completely down, but I saw the name of this song come up, and it was by uh, the band called the Steel Drivers, and the song is called Shallow Grave. That's the one you're talking about. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and it popped out because Hydrovive has a song called Shallow Grave, and so I made the joke. Oh, let's see what this band can do with Shallow Grave. We turned it on, and we were like, Oh wow, this is really good really good and so we just figured you know obviously we are not a full bluegrass band and we don't have a banjo and a mandolin and everything else so we'll do our version of it and try to you know stay true and honor the the spirit of the song but it's going to be our our version of it and so we do that one live and we're loving it it's been a lot of fun we're trying to incorporate a little more bluegrass yeah it's weird like some of the hydro vibe stuff like she was saying what we do you take it down to the acoustic guitar and then there ends up being a little bit of a chicken pickany sort of thing that happens and then with the harmonies <laughs> and then I'll put down like a four on the floor, you know, kick on it, all of a sudden it sounds like bluegrass. We noticed that early on. And um yeah, I mean, that's cool. We we love it. We're we're loving the bluegrass right now. Those guys are serious players. We really respect it because, you know, being in the rock world, not every band, but quite a few of them are gonna you know, four-piece band, but then they have the backing tracks and everything else. And these days, some of them are, I mean, everything's on the track. And so it's refreshing to see, like, when you've got eight, nine people on stage and everyone's playing top of their game and the singing and the vocals are so tight. You know, that's definitely what we strive for. Yeah, very cool. 
I had another question. Uh, I was looking at your artwork and you've got a crow on that. What does that symbolize or mean to you guys? Well, we were thinking about what to put on the artwork and I'm, you know, I, I mean, it's funny. I wouldn't say I'm a bird watcher, but I love birds. You know, and I never realized that until we were touring, you know, when we were in Virginia and we're spotting, you know, bald eagles and ravens and just all these things. And it was like, somebody commented, you guys really love birds. I was like, you know, I guess you're right. I mean, we kind of do. And I started researching. I just, I love the crow. You know, it's gothic. I was always really into Edgar Allan Poe and, you know, his thing, you know, quote the raven, nevermore. And so I thought, you know, let me look into that and watch the documentary on crows. And they're very intelligent birds. They're very creative. They're some of the only, I think, birds, but I might, maybe even animals that actually, you know, will find a tool and use a tool and help each other to gain a common goal. And I thought, well, that kind of describes us. You know, we're both in this, and even our band Hydrovide, like all of us are just working towards something. And, we're, you know, we're trying to be creative, and, you know, crows are very loyal, and we definitely are as well. And I thought it just really fit us well. You know, and then you could even get further into it with the mythology. You know, Norse mythology, Native American mythology, they're always messengers of something, some meaning they're trying to convey to you. You know, I thought, well, we put a lot of thought into our lyrics. You know, we try to give a good message in there somewhere. And so it kind of just fit us. So that's kind of why we put the crow in our logo and on the cover or on the back cover. Very nice. I had another question about, I like to always ask about people behind the music. And Yvonne uh, Laughlin, how did you meet her and, and what is her role in your organization? Um, I met her through my friend Ryan Green. He's a producer. He he works. He actually mixed our our EP. I work with him a lot with other artists. He is my neighbor. We, we're in a a facility of several um, studio facilities, and and he and our neighbors in there. But anyway, he had he. I don't know. He's known her for a while and was working with her on some other stuff. And so he immediately put me onto her. To, you know, said this is the person for exactly what you you guys are doing. And, so we, we hit it off, and here we are, doing interviews. Yep. <laughs> she keeps us busy. Nice. Doing lots of interviews. <laughs> keeps us very busy. What is next for Dozot St. Marie? Touring. We got, we'll do uh, a bunch of touring to support the release of this EP. We want to release another likely EP in the fall. We, we haven't decided if it's going to be an EP or a full album. Uh, we go back and forth on that. I don't know. I, I really don't know what's best. I mean, it's uh, with an EP, we can put that out, and and then we'll have we can fire off another EP in the spring or you know early next year if we do it that way. You know, instead of waiting for longer interval intervals to do albums. But yeah, definitely we'll say releases in the fall, and then when we get back to LA, we're wrapping up this tour. Well, we actually finish this tour in LA next week uh at the end of next weekend so then we have um video shoots we're going to do some music videos and hopefully a lot of that as well we really would like to we'd like to do a music video for every song if possible i mean i know that's very expensive but um i don't know i, I feel like the video is kind of the medium that is the most efficient you know people love the music videos and so, I don't know. I guess the answer is a lot. The answer to your question is a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
And what's the best place for people to go to learn more about your music? Is it your website? Yeah. Uh, Facebook? Well, what? you know, we, we stay really active on social media. We like to keep in touch with our fans. Um, they kind of become friends, honestly, and our extended family, if you will. Um, but we'd like to tell people, I mean, you know, we remember when MySpace was the place to go, and now it's Facebook. Who knows what comes next? You know, so the best way always is to go to our website and, you know, we answer the emails there and, you know, we'll keep all our tour dates there. You'll know all about the latest stuff going on at our website. And that, of course, is dozatstmarie.com. But I'll spell it because we have those crazy French last names. It's D-A-U-Z-A-T-S-T-M-A-R-I-E.com. Perfect. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you guys want to talk about? Um, no. I think that's it. Just, you know, we've asked people, you know, we are independent. We're doing all this ourselves. Uh, we're happy with that. It's uh, creative freedoms. But with that, you know, it's a harder struggle to get our name out there. And so we like to tell people, come out to the shows and bring friends. Tell your friends about us. You know, that way we can just keep touring and keep doing what we love and hopefully bringing you what you love to hear. Yeah, very cool. I'm looking forward to hearing more from you guys. It's been awesome to have you guys on the show. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And we're going to leave you with Time Slips Away by Dozat St. Marie. When wheels hit the open road, time slips away, time slips away. Driving to life unknown, time slips away, time slips away. With 2,000 miles to go Time slips away Time slips away So turn up that radio Time slips away Time slips away And I never knew what freedom was Until I drove to California Time slips away Time slips away We're so far from those places And those songs of yesterday Time slips away Time slips away And the players keep changing But the song remains the same Time slips away Shines on my face Time slips away Time slips away When I'm lost in a melody Time slips away Time slips away There's no place I'd rather be Time slips away Time just slips away And I never knew what true love was Until I touched out in Virginia Time slips away 
And those songs of yesterday Time slips away Time slips away And the players keep changing But the song remains the same Time slips away Thanks again to Matt and Heather for being on the program. It was great to hear from Dozat St. Marie. Hope to hear much more music from these guys. Uh, Thanks again for listening to Music Live Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter, and we'll catch you next time.